0: Information for this podcast comes from the CDC, the World Health Organization, as well as the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. This information is as current as of June the 11th, 2022, and is being recorded on June the 13th, 2022. All right, podcast listeners, who out there, in addition to myself, is ready for the zombie apocalypse? Anybody? Anybody waiting for that to pop out in the news? Because I am. I mean, my goodness, we had Zika, we had COVID. Now, monkeypox, are you kidding me? As of June 2022, more than 1,000 monkeypox cases have been recorded across 29 countries in recent weeks. And this, of course, has gotten the attention of the World Health Organization. In the U.S., however, in our home, as of early June, only a handful of monkeypox cases have been reported. But nonetheless, health experts are concerned about this monkeypox virus and its effect on those that are most vulnerable, and that includes pregnancy. Now remember, there is already data on what monkeypox can do in pregnancy. We're going to cover that. So because this is right off on the heels of this monkeypox issue, I thought it'd be a good time to cover what this thing actually is. What does the sickness look like? What's going on with this rash? How do you get it? How do you protect yourself from getting it? Are there any treatments available? And our focus here as OBGYNs or as women's healthcare providers, what does this mean? for pregnancy. So welcome to Monkeypox 101, all things monkeypox, going at it right now in this session. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Well, I have to be honest, I tried to get a song by the 60s group The Monkees into the podcast intro, and I was quickly shot down by my team that that would be unprofessional. Oh well. Globally, the sudden appearance of monkeypox in some 30 countries where the virus doesn't typically circulate poses a moderate risk for infection. Men who have sex with men have been among those typically infected with monkeypox in the current U.S. outbreak. However, monkeypox is not a sexually transmitted infection in the strict sense of the definition, since it can pass by skin-to-skin non-sexual contact as well. Monkeypox has also been reported in pregnant women, not just in the past, but during this round of monkeypox outbreak as well. Now remember that this issue is nothing new. Despite its rapid emergence in 2022, following the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, monkeypox is actually not a newfound disease. This zoonotic infection was first detected in 1958 in certain colonies of monkeys. Following that, the first reported clinical case of monkeypox was recorded back in 1970 in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The condition is very prevalent across African countries, especially in the underdeveloped countries across Central and Western African areas. However, recent reports also suggest the infection has spread to other countries like Israel, of course, here at home in the USA, and it's also in the United Kingdom and even Singapore. Given its alarming resurgence across multiple countries worldwide, global health bodies like the World Health Organization suggest optimal precautions against further spread of the infection. But even these precautions are conflicting, For example, in early June, the U.S. listed monkeypox as one of the viruses to be cautious with when traveling abroad outside of the U.S. and urged continued use of masks. However, on June 7th, the CDC dropped monkeypox virus from that list of precautions. So again, some things are kind of conflicting. Now, while the chief mode of transmission does seem to be direct contact with skin, there is some evidence that this can pass through respiratory droplets. We're going to get into transmission a little bit more in this podcast. Which brings me to this important disclosure. As of right now, June the 13th, 2022, which is the date that we're recording this podcast, this material is the most up-to-date, the most current that we know right now for monkeypox. It's possible that in two or three months, we'll know more information and that will replace this current podcast. But as of right now, this is the updated information, everything you need to know about monkeypox, not just in pregnancy, but overall, and it's current as of June the 11th, 2022 recording this on june the 13th 2022 and as new information becomes available well we'll do an update to that podcast in the future as well Now that we've settled that, let's get into what exactly is this monkeypox thing anyway. Well, monkeypox is a rare type of a zoonotic disease caused by the monkeypox virus. The condition mimics the symptoms of smallpox and is prevalent in different countries across Africa. Although there are no confirmed sources, researchers believe that the spread of the monkeypox virus is caused by small rodents and squirrels across African forests. Since the vectors of the disease are animals, it is classified as a zoonotic infection. Besides Africa, most of the reported cases of monkeypox are spread through tourists or travelers who have accidentally contacted the virus during their travel. In Africa itself, around 90% of the reported cases of monkeypox were prevalent in children below the age of 15. Listen, if you're getting ready to do your OBGYN oral boards, just a little tip, just a little bit of advice— because you know that some of those examiners just love to pursue minutia to see how far they can get. Now, they're not trying to be mean. They're trying to see if you can think on your feet. But I know someone's going to ask, so be prepared. Um, I'm sorry, candidate. What exactly, what type of virus is a monkeypox virus? Seriously? Well, Yes. And here's your answer. Well, obviously, sir or ma'am, monkeypox virus is a type of orthopox virus from the family poxviridae. Boom. There you go. How is monkeypox even transmitted? Well, contrary to popular belief, monkeypox is rarely transmitted from one infected human to the other. It's got a poor mode of transmission. But the risks of transmission are still possible and include skin-to-skin contact, air droplets, exchange of bodily fluids, or contact with virus-contaminated objects. The animal-to-human transmission of the virus generally happens if the person has an open wound or if the animal bites and directly infects the person's blood. And what does this illness even look like? Well, monkeypox mimics the symptoms of smallpox. And I know what you're thinking. What the hell does that look like? I thought that was eradicated. <laughs> right? Right? Well, one of the primary reasons people get a late diagnosis is that most of these symptoms mimic that of the flu. So it can be conflicting and confusing, especially during flu season. Some of the most prevalent symptoms to look out for are high-grade fever, chills, constant muscle pains, headache, fatigue, and swollen lymph nodes. Yeah, that sounds just like the flu. However, there is a characteristic rash, and we're going to get into that monkeypox rash in just a minute because it has special implications for those of us in women's health care. Now, here's something important to remember about this infection. The infected person doesn't usually show the symptoms after contracting the virus. It can take up to 21 days for the virus to actually show up or to manifest. So it has a about 21 day incubation period. Obviously, there's variances. Some people take nine days. It's been reported to take two weeks, but it can take up to 21 days from exposure to first symptomatology. And, although not fatal, some cases of monkeypox can lead to high rates of fatalities, especially in those who are immunocompromised or pregnant. The current fatality rate is around 3-6%. to the hallmark feature of monkeypox is the rash. The monkeypox rash has very discreet and very characteristic features. First of all, there are numerous lesions that appear mostly on the arms, legs, and head, but less so on the abdomen. Now, for those of us in women's health I've already alluded to this, it also can affect the genital area. The rash starts as little red spots that are flat on the surface or macular. Next, these spots begin to swell and become hard, solid papules. These papules then fill with clear liquid, entering the vesicle stage. That fluid then turns cloudy and then turns into pus. All right, so at this point, they're now called pustules. So you're getting this evolution of this thing? They're solid papules that becomes vesicles that then become pustules lesions then scab over and dry up and then the crust falls off and at this point that's the end kind of of the viral journey and the person is no longer considered infectious so once they crust and fall off the person is no longer infectious so let's walk this through again it starts with little red dots or macules then it goes to papules vesicles pustules to a crusty lesion and then they are no longer infectious Once the rash appears, the process takes about one to two weeks for pustules to crust and to scab over, and that's according to the CDC. Scabs then remain for another week before beginning to fall off, and again, it's at that point that the person is no longer considered contagious. Did y'all catch that? That's a big deal right there. That's a clinical pearl. Because these things can look like vesicles. In other words, they can look like vesicular herpes before they rupture and become ulcerated. And they can also look like domed papules, like molluscum contagiosum. So remember, to keep this thing in mind, especially right now, that we're, we're possibly at the upswing of this thing, that not all domed lesions on the vulva are molluscum. Yeah, that's most likely for it to be, but it doesn't mean that it's the the only thing that it could be now here's the catch there are some people who are at risk of severe disease those are anybody with immunocompromise, the pediatric population particularly those under the age of eight pregnant or breastfeeding women also people with a history of atopic dermatitis or other active exfoliative skin conditions well we said pregnancy that's one category of people that are at risk for severe infection and potentially even a fatality. So how does monkeypox affect pregnancy? With the emergence of varying health threats, we need to rationalize and understand its implications on pregnancy and the health of the developing fetus. There are not many studies related to monkeypox and pregnancy yet. However, there are a few studies that showcase the impact of this virus not only on the pregnant patient, but on the baby as well. The first case of perinatal monkeypox infection was reported in Zaire at 24 weeks gestation. The infected woman said that she had a febrile illness with notable rashes on the skin. She delivered at 30 weeks and the child weighed 1.5 kilos. The baby was actually born with a skin rash that was similar to the symptoms of monkeypox. In another study of 222 symptomatic patients, four were pregnant. Out of the four pregnant women infected with the monkeypox virus, one delivered a healthy baby, two faced miscarriage during the first trimester, and one woman experienced a fetal death. That stillborn baby showed symptoms of skin rashes on the body, head, and trunk that were similar to monkeypox. Despite the lack of conclusive evidence, preliminary research does suggest that contracting the monkeypox virus during pregnancy can prove fatal for both the mother and the developing fetus. There is evidence that the infected pregnant woman can transmit the virus to their newborns. The World Health Organization states the following, quote, there could be adverse consequences and some severe for pregnant women and babies if they become infected, including congenital monkeypox, miscarriage, or the event of stillbirth, End quote. Now, here's a question that you may have, because I do. All right, let's say a pregnant woman has this infection. Is a C-section needed? Well, remember, we're still waiting for official word from ACOG and the CDC, but As of, again, mid-June, which is June the 13th, 2022, some other countries have already started weighing in on this subject, with some saying yes, especially if there's genital lesions. If there's genital lesions, then yes, absolutely, that patient requires a C-section. Remember, this is not from ACOG. This actually comes from the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Once again, the statement that pregnant women with monkeypox should be advised to, quote, give birth by cesarean and avoid breastfeeding, end quote, was just released in a new statement in June 2022 in Ultrasounds in Obstetrics and Gynecology. Now, even though it's an ultrasound journal, this actually comes from the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health. Yep, the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health helped contribute to these guidelines. It also states, quote, the virus can be transmitted through contact with open wounds. Therefore, labor and or vaginal birth in a woman with genital lesions are likely to lead to neonatal infection. The guidelines also states, quote, that babies born with a negative test for monkeypox should be isolated from their positive mothers until both tests are negative or both tests become positive, at which point they can be reunited. And as we've already alluded to, there's also a statement cautioning against breastfeeding. In other words, don't breastfeed, especially and obviously there's lesions on the breast because that can help transmit to the child. Okay, now that we're getting ready to wrap this up, let's talk about any potential treatments for this thing monkeypox symptoms can be managed with antiviral and antipyretic medication to keep the fever and flu-like symptoms in check. Currently, there is no specific treatment approved for monkeypox. However, there is emergency use availability from the Strategic National Stockpile to use certain medications. These medications are actually approved for smallpox, but as we've already stated, monkeypox and smallpox are close relatives. They can be helpful in monkey pox as well. Now, I'm going to mention two antiviral medications that are available from the Strategic National Stockpile for use in emergency. So that's if another epidemic pops up or pandemic. But there's also some vaccines that are already available. Let's tackle first the antiviral medications and then I'll touch on the vaccines. One medication is actually known as TPOX. That's T-P-O-X-X. This is an antiviral medication that is approved by the U.S. FDA, again, for smallpox, but the CDC holds an expanded access protocol that can allow this medication to be used in cases of monkeypox outbreak. This is available as a pill or as an injection. The other medication that's allowed to be used for monkeypox is actually approved for CMV retinitis, and that's Vistide or Cidofovir, that's C-I-D-O-F-O-V-I-R, Cidofovir. Once again, this is approved for CMV retinitis, but it does show promise in treating some orthopox viruses, including monkeypox, especially during an outbreak. Now that we're at the end of the podcast, a quick word about vaccines because the CDC does have two available vaccines as of right now. When properly administered before an exposure, vaccines are effective at protecting people against monkeypox. So once again, that's pre-exposure prophylaxis. As a clinical pearl, remember that these two vaccines are not specifically made for monkeypox, but they're actually approved for smallpox. One of these vaccines is Acam 2000. That's a-C-A-M-2000, and the GINOS vaccine, that is J-Y-N-N-E-O-S. Oh, I know, some people pronounce it Genios, and the others say Gynios. I'm from South Texas, so I'm going to pronounce it however I want to. Past data from Africa does suggest that these two vaccines are quite effective in pre-exposure prophylaxis, but there's also some use for it after exposure. The sooner an exposed person gets one of these vaccines, then the better because it can help reduce severity of illness. The CDC recommends that these vaccines be given within four days from the date of exposure in order to prevent onset of the disease. If given between four days and 14 days after the date of exposure, vaccination may reduce the symptoms of disease but may not fully prevent the disease from showing up. Here's your last clinical pearl about these two vaccines, because they're delivered very, very differently. ACAM2000 is actually administered as a live vaccine that's actually given into the skin by a skin prick. Note, so it's not an IM injection, it's a skin prick. Following a successful inoculation, the lesion will actually appear at the site of inoculation. That's called the vaccine TAKE. The virus growing at the site of inoculation can actually be spread to other parts of the body or to other people. So individuals who receive this vaccine can actually be infectious after vaccination. So it's important that they take precautions not to pass this to somebody else. They are considered vaccinated after 28 days from the skin prick. But GINOS vaccine is actually very different. It is also a live virus vaccine, but it's non-replicating. It's administered as two subcutaneous injections four weeks apart. This one has no visible take. And as a result, there's no risk for spread to other parts of the body or to other people people who receive these gyno's vaccines are not considered vaccinated until two weeks after they receive the second dose of the vaccine. So, Just my recommendation, if you're going to get ACAM2000, knock yourself out because you're going to end up with those little warts all over your body that can transmit to other people, whereas the Gynos vaccine is actually two injections separated four weeks apart, but there's no quote-unquote take of the virus. So at least you don't walk around full of monkeypox. right, podcast family, we have done a deep dive into monkeypox, not just its implications during pregnancy, but overall, we've covered antiviral medications, we've covered two vaccines, we've covered symptomatology, and I'm tired. As always, we're thankful for you. (laughs) Thank you for being part of our listening family, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.